Welcome to Scale and Bail with John Woolley and Ben Zawalski, presented to you by Innovate. This weekly podcast is designed for those of you that are looking for ways to be more efficient and effective in the gym without feeling like you have to max out every workout. We'll be covering topics relative to all aspects of fitness, and we'd love to spend time with you here each and every week, so get subscribed on all your favorite podcast apps and YouTube. Now on to the show. Ben Zawicki, what's up? You totally nailed it. Just like like the person who DM'd us on Instagram was like, (laughs) no, dude. So I got this, uh, Ben Zawalski, I get it right. So I was, I was on a podcast when I was at the masters fitness collective and, um, it was uh, the Clydesdale podcast, which is really good, by the way. I don't know if you, if you know him at all, but he's a great of dude. Of course, Scott, Scott's yeah. a great guy. Scott is a great dude. And, he and goes, so is okay. Kat. I don't know if Kat was there, but I love no, Kat. It was, it was just Scott. Kat. Just Scott. And we were just BSing and whatever. And he's like, hey, and we're on the air live. So you can go watch this on YouTube, by the way. And Clydesdale and friends. And he goes, so you're doing this new podcast with Ben Zawicki. And I'm like, yes. Yes, I am. That's his name forever now. Totally nailed it. Oh, it's the best. I was so happy. I was like, thank you for that, Scott. Thank you. To be clear, I don't even think that my family pronounces it properly. Um, I think it's technically Zawolski. Uh, but it? if anyone anyone who's actually Polish is listening to this, please let me know. Just submit an audio to John and I <laughs> on the actual pronunciation of my last name. That would be fantastic. A Walmart <laughs> associate, associate told me how to pronounce it one time, and I forgot. What do you identify with? What's the one you go with? Uh, Jawalski. That's how we say it in Maryland. The oh. DZI makes like a bit of a J. So it's not a Dizwalski. It's Jawalski. Wow. But I'm going to start naming, spelling my own name, D-Z-I-O-H-N. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> makes total sense. It does make total sense. <laughs> Dude, today has been a good day. Let me tell you why. For those that watch this on uh, video, they're going to see I heard you got it. some mail today. I got the new Scotty P. Innovate 260s. Dude, these things, I, I'm too stupid to figure out how to get them in frame. Boom, right there. Oh, dude, these things are so sweet. They are so They're beautiful. Sweet. I think I might have a package waiting for me on the front doorstep, but we'll, we'll see. So I, I get, I'm not exaggerating to tell you, I get a dozen emails a week, people asking me about these Innovate shoes since they've been sponsoring the show. And the 260s are the perfect blend between the 245s that they sent you and the 300s. Perfect blend. Like I wore the 245s all weekend. I uh, did a bunch of like trail hiking and Moab and some mountain biking. And like I just kept turning to the people I was with and I was just like, I freaking love these shoes. Like I actually took them uh, like paddleboarding and like fell in the water, obviously, because I have terrible paddleboarding <laughs> balance and then stood back up with them. And then by the end of the, of the float, they were dry. Like they were amazing. And also the 300s are my favorite to actually like train in. Um, So uh, the 260s, perfect, happy medium. I'm stoked. I'm here for it. I'm ready to go. Yeah, they're great. They have like a little thicker heel or, you know, better cushioned heel than I I think than the 245. So more like the 300s. They're kind of perfect on the midfoot and they've got a wider toe box like the 245s and they're crazy light and the material's different so they're like it's really breathable and light and they're great dude i messaged scott uh, as soon as i got them 
And I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this. He's like, well, give me feedback. So I message him when it's over. I'm like, well, today's wide was a running wide. And they were great, of course, because that's what you're known for. And <laughs> he, he laughed. He's like, well, I was hoping they'd make me faster, but they didn't. It was such a speed demon at the CrossFit Games. I know. I told him. Oh, that I, was so sad to watch him just like limping. And, you know, by the end, you're like, oh, he's actually injured. He's not just slow. Yeah. He's hurt. Oh, and then bro. you're like, I got mad respect for him. I mean, come on. Dude finishes what tenth in the world with a with a busted knee. I mean, he's unreal. He is he's unreal. A, he's an animal. I, I was teasing Saxon as I was doing this workout because it was all running and toes to bar and just like mostly kind of body weight stuff, handstand push ups and that sort of thing. And I said to him, I'm like, dude, I so I wore Scott shoes and I immediately started limping. He's like, yeah, well, I bet your lifts went up 200 pounds too. I'm like, well. <laughs> I, hey, I'd it, take it. I'd take a limp with a, with 200 more pounds on my list. Oh, I'd take that trade off any day of the week. If I could just have a 10th, just a 10th of Scott's skill, I'd take it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah they're, I'm, they're sweet I'm so shoes. excited to get him in the mail. Yeah, they're sweet, dude. I, I was thinking about it last night. I mean, because I've known Scott for over a decade now. There's only, to my knowledge, tell me if I'm wrong, there's only three CrossFitters now with a, a shoe with their name on it. Counting Scott, you know, Frazier's got one, Froning's got one, and now Pancheck. Well, right. there was a, there was, didn't they do a series, you know, uh, a certain company did a series where they put the athlete's name on the bottom of a shoe that's already oh. existed for seven years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if I count those though. Do, you, no. do, do we count those? It's the same shoe. No, you don't. It's the yeah. same exact shoe. It's the same no shoe proprietary anything. Yeah. It's the same shoe with everyone's name on it. And it's the same shoe they do every time they release a shoe. So these are, these are sweet and Scott helped design them. So I like them. Awesome. Love it. And as long as we're talking about sponsors, uh, before I went, I took my UCAN. Did you finally get your UCAN? I did. I ate a couple of their bars. Delicious. Awesome. awesome. I took one before my uh, workout today. What they sent me that I have not had before that I tried this week um, was their protein energy. And it said, mix it with almond milk. So I'm like, all right, I go to the store and I get the worst kind of almond milk. It's called milked almonds, which just sounds that's <laughs> sounds horrible. Isn't that, that the worst like, thing to that's name? That's just like, the worst sounding thing in the entire world. Who thought of that? Who's like, you know what? Let's take almond milk, but make it sound worse. Let's call it milked almonds. I'm like, okay, but it tastes pretty good. And I wish uh, they had like a video or like a picture description of like what it looks like to milk an almond. They've got tiny little nipples, Ben. Tiny little <laughs> almond nipples. Um, but the uh the ucam was great like really great and i got the same kind of like yeah again there's no like buzz or crash or any of that it's just like kind of sustainable energy i got the same kind of lift if that's the right word uh from using the the protein energy as i normally do from you know the energy drink or the little squeezies or the bars today mm -hmm. i did the bar or use the bars before the workout but um yeah i mean carbs and protein before you work out i mean Anymore, the, a lot of the, I guess, more recent bro science or maybe even real science is like, hey, making your protein available during your workout. So basically consuming protein prior to your workout is probably a little bit better than just trying to do it at the end, especially if you work out like totally fasted like I do a lot of times. So um, yeah, it could be a, an easy way to, to mix in some carbs and protein in a very digestible way before you work out. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, I don't know. Like I've been trying to be more consistent with uh, actually going to my CrossFit gym, not just working out in my basement. And I'm smart enough to know I should fuel, even though I think I still have, um, I think a lot of people struggle with this. It's not body issue image problems, although I have some of that. 
um, there's always the thought in my mind, like, when do I, do I eat before? Do I wait until after? How much have I had today? Like you're just, I'm just always debating how much I should have. And so when it comes to the UCAN stuff, I just kind of don't worry about it. I'm just like, I'm going to take it before I go and see how I feel after. And I'll adjust my dinner based on how I feel. Cause I know I need to fuel for these workouts. These workouts are hard, dude. Like today's was really hard. Anyway, that's did my you do a muscle. Did you do one muscle up? I did. I did half a muscle up. No, today was, today was fun. It's a 20 minute AMRAP. So anytime I see 20 minutes in AMRAP, I'm like, all right, I'm in this. And, you know, because it's longer, you you like the longer Metcons. Yeah. I mean, we can jump in and talk about this. So I'll tell you how I scaled this one. So I actually technically RX'd it technically. So it was a 20 minute uh, AMRAP. You do four strict toes to bar, six single arm devil's press, 50 pounds was RX. 200 meter, it opened with a 200 meter run. Sorry, 200 meter run, four, six, then another 200 meter run, four strict handstand push ups, six devil's press. And then you repeat 20 minutes, right? I like, I like that strict work mixed into a Metcon. Don't see that, that all the time. Yeah. And so my concept, well, I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to, like, where am I going to scale? Cause everything in there is, you know, there's no wheelhouse for me at my age, but you know, I, I also don't want to destroy myself. And so I know like, you know, if you're, you can go hard on that one in the running. So, you know, it's 200 meters. So you can, you can sprint that pretty good. And um, so really kind of the only opportunities for me to scale would either be the handstand pushups or the, um, the devil's press. Cause it's 50 pounds. Right. But it, the 50 pounds isn't enough to, you know, really punish me and I can do strict handstand pushups pretty well. So here was my scale. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. I just slowed everything down. That was it. That was wrong. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Uh, scaling the pace. A lot of times when people see an AMRAP, it's just like, well, the purpose of it is to squeeze as much work in as possible into an allotted period of time. But if, if going a little bit slower and more methodical allows you to actually do the, maybe the skill that you're practicing here, or in this case, like the strict strength development, I think it's perfect one, two punch is go a little bit slower and then allows you to actually do those strict toes to bar, do the strict handstand pushups. I mean, I think that's a, that's a win-win. You got the volume in, but you didn't necessarily have to end in a pool of your own blood laying on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, what, so my plan was then just pick a heart rate and stick at it Just stay there. Right. And, and you take smart breaks. Like, you know, there are kind of some breaks in there, like the strict toes to bar a little bit of a break. Cause it's a little bit of a slower movement. You're hanging, you know, you're not jumping. You're just kind of there, you know? Um, so there was a little bit of a break there and I did have long transitions because of the way the gym set up, we've got, you know, pull-up bars on one side and we do handstand pushups on the other side. So it's a long transition between, you know, so I was able to keep my heart rate down. But for me, I, th- I think that's a scale that a lot of people don't talk about often, which is just slow it down, focus on your heart rate. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, you you actually probably got a better score or a lot of people we have quite a few years under our belts. We, we tend to know the pacing strategy of a 20 minute AMRAP, but your approach to like tone it, like take it down a couple notches, especially to start a lot of people listening uh, as silly as it sounds would probably get a better score overall, hypothetically, if they started off leaving a little in the tank, because on a 20 minute AMRAP, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've seen 
burn out after the first seven minutes. And then it's just like, you know, super high energy output. And then they reach a red line and then they're just like, <laughs> they're right. just terrible for the last 13 minutes. But if, if you treat that 20, like a longer Metcon like that, you, you start off at like 75% effort. That's, at least that's what it feels like to you. Then what happens is you probably got into a groove and will end up completing more work in 20 minutes than someone who comes out, you know, pedal the metal and then just completely burns out. Yeah, my score was kind of right around the group score. Um, my goal was to just have even split times. Like I view it like running. If I were out running 400 meters and I know, let's just say hypothetically, that's going to take me a minute 45 or two minutes. I don't want to be above that or below that. I just want to stay within that range. And I was kind of viewing that as the same way. Like I came in on my first round, if I'm remembering right, at like... I want to say it was like close to four minutes, you know, three thirty, four minutes. I'm like, all right, that's my split time. I have to stay within that range for the rest of the, the go, you know, from, from end to end. And so I knew in round one where I was going to finish. I'm like, all right, I got to get four rounds plus something. Yeah. That's, I knew that's where I was, you know, the fact that like the consistent split time. I mean, that's like one of the hardest things, uh, whether it's like, we have a course uh, called endless engine at Wad prep where we, we help people get better running, biking, and rowing. And one of the most important aspects for all three of those for improvement is being able to hold a consistent pace, like whether it's 400 meter repeats or 500 meter repeats on the rower um, or, you know, assault bike intervals. It's like holding a pace is way more difficult than people realize, even if it is at like that 75% effort. Um, so that's a, I like it. I think that was a great scale. I think you, I think you nailed the workout and probably got a great stimulus out of it. it even though you might've felt like you were coasting a bit in reality, being able to hold the same pace for 20 minutes is a fantastic workout. No, I wasn't coasting. I never felt that way. As a matter of fact, I laughed at myself. I was like wrapping up round three, starting round four and I'm out, of, I'm out running out doing the 200 meter run. And I was a hundred meters in and I, like I said aloud, this sucks. <laughs> Really this is loud. terrible. This is terrible. I, and I then, pay for this? Yeah. But then because I was wearing these Scott Pancheck shoes, when I trained with Scott, he used to, he was religious about telling people don't have negative mind speak when you're working out. Oh, Say things yeah. like, I, I get to. And so I immediately said, I get to do this, even though I knew it was sarcastic. So, you know, I was doing it because I was wearing his shoes and I was thinking of Scott and I'm like, all right, I get to do this. And Did it, that it, it did change my mind. Like it changed yeah. my mindset of what the rest of the workout was going to look like. And truthfully, I got in, you know, it wasn't a lot, but I got in a few more reps than I would have gotten because I'm like, I'm not going to stop until the clock stops. I'm not going to yeah. sit there with 10 seconds to go and just wait for it to end. I'll knock out a couple more reps. That know? internal dialogue stuff is so incredibly important. Um, like, even if you think it's, complete BS or woo woo, or even if you like, you actually do, like if I interviewed John and I said, John, how do you feel during this workout? Objectively, you're like, I hate it. It sucks. But <laughs> just simply that, like, even if you think it's BS, just telling yourself these positive affirmations during your workout and changing the internal speak from this totally sucks to I'm, you know, I'm glad I can do every single rep, appreciating every rep. I get to do this. Even if you believe it's complete BS, it actually does change the way that you approach the workout. I, I, I'm a big proponent of that, even though I'm not into the woo-woo stuff. But that internal dialogue that you have with yourself is extremely important. It's like 
which wolf are you feeding? You know, like, are you feeding the negative Nancy or the positive Patrick? I just made that up. Is that right? Um, Is that Patrick and Nancy? I've not heard that before. Uh, positive Patrick. If there's okay. negative Nancy, there's got to be a positive. Or maybe if they're if they're both, um, you know, traditionally female names, maybe it's positive Patsy. I don't know. Maybe I, you don't. I don't. We don't even know. We don't know. Positive so, Patricia. Who knows? But <laughs> if you feed her, um, she will grow and and be the bigger wolf. Wow. There you go. There's a lot of Patricias out there all pissed off right now and going, well, did you just call me a wolf? No, but, but you're positive. Positive. But the Nancys are pissed. Yeah. They've always been negative. There you go. All right. Well, yeah, I agree with that. Look, I, I try to give myself more positive speak when I'm working out, but it is, you know, and it's, for me, it's the longer workouts where it's more important. The short ones, I don't even really think about it because they're so short. Like you just kind of go to you pass out. Um, mm-hmm. the, the longer ones like this, though, you really have to put some thought into it, particularly when like I wrapped up round one, I look at the clock. I'm like, Oh my God, I got 15 more minutes. Like, how am I going to get through this? You know, <laughs> you just got to keep telling yourself what's going on. Yeah. That mental, the, I don't know, the mental lessons that you learn in CrossFit apply so many other places in life. Like just the ability to, to grind it through a long journey and realize that it's like, I, I don't need to focus on the 15 minutes remaining. Or actually right. like when I was out in the woods uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's like, I don't need to focus on the, like the five more miles of hiking we have with this heavy ruck. All I'm going to do is focus on getting past that rock right there. Right. And then that rock right there. And then that rock. And it's just like, you keep stacking these little wins and then, before you know it, you're done like rather than, than focusing on the horror that lies in front of you. It's, it's amazing that mindset mindset shift. I can't tell you how often I do that. Just get to the fire hydrant, just get to that <laughs> sign. Like when I'm out running, it's like, that's the worst yeah. for me. Yeah. So let's stick to that mind, that kind of that mindset thing. And we'll do some questions from fans. I've gotten a ton, dude, I've gotten so many questions from people listening to the podcast and I'm really Excellent. appreciative of it because it's, it really gets me thinking about what people want. So you guys keep sending us questions Send them straight to the scale and bill podcast, uh, Instagram page, and I'm saving them on my phone. So excellent. Forgive me if I can't get to everyone, but this one came from Rick bridge. So Rick, thank you. Uh, he also starts off exactly as he should to get his question on here. Love the podcast. Nice, Rick. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a 60 plus year old CrossFitter five years now who enjoys the quote unquote fire of my 20 to thirties gym and competitor coach. For a topic, masters seem to start at age 35 to 40. What should be different for those of us 20 plus years beyond that? How much less work should we be able to do given the realities of aging? Ooh, how much less work should we be able to do? I have a lot of opinions on this. I have so many. Man, that is such a tough question to answer because... I mean, I, there's so many, it depends. Like every answer I've ever given on this podcast. It's it like, every time. It all there, depends. There are so many, it depends. And here's the reason why. It all depends on what kind of volume you're coming from. If you if you started CrossFit recently as a master's athlete and don't have a large volume of training under your belt, then the answer will most likely be a lot less than, than younger individuals because the younger folks are going to be able to recover a little bit quicker. Um I, I, it, it seems, especially if we're talking about like much younger individuals, a lot of them, including myself, came with an athletic background, like where they competed in sports. So they're already bringing that volume into the equation. If you've been, if you haven't trained for years and then you're coming into CrossFit with l- almost no training volume for the past like 10, 15 years, 
and you're also older than everyone, then the answer is like your output should be smaller than others. However, if you're coming to CrossFit with a large training volume, like the guy that I worked out with this entire past weekend, Eric Hinman, he's a uh, ex Ironman world qualifier. I he's 15 years older than me. He's 45, uh, going on 46, and he runs laps around me in all things CrossFit. And I'm a I'm what many would consider as a high level CrossFitter in terms of the scope of from zero to 100%. I'm nowhere near the game, a games athlete, but this dude, Eric runs circles around me and he's much older than I am. He's 15 years older than me. I don't like how you keep going in on how much older he is than you, Ben, because he's still younger <laughs> than me. Jeez, he, come on, yes, man. Yes, yes. But here's the thing is he brings so much, like the amount of training that he had to do to qualify for the Ironman World Championships. With the age that he has, he's also bringing all of this training experience and training volume. So he should be fair than me because he works out way more than me and has worked out way more than me. So that's why there's like this huge, it depends. Um, but if you're realistically speaking, if we compare apples to apples and you are the same level of athlete, and I use level in air quotes, like you're, you, you train approximately the same amount of time and you have the same amount of training experience, one person is 60 years old and the other person is 30 years old, then obviously 60-year-old shouldn't be held to the same standard of, of training volume and performance and weight and pretty much everything as the 30-year-old. The because as you age, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain decline in the, in the quickness that your body is able to repair and heal itself. However, if you come to it with a huge background of being able to train for hours and hours and hours per day, then there's a lot of 60-year-olds that can absolutely kick 30-year-olds' butts. So again, huge it depends. And I know that was a terrible answer and I gave no input whatsoever. But John, <laughs> tell me what your answer is because mine's other a whole bunch me, of it depends. Other than making me feel bad about my fitness level, man, you just kept going on. Listen, I know he's 45, but he's so much more fit than you, John. <laughs> so <laughs> much more fit than you. Hey, um, he's more fit than than probably every single person listening to this podcast because of his training background and and he just, he trains a heck of a lot and focuses all of his time on sleep and recovery. That's it. Well, look, I think if you, if let's just stick the conversation to CrossFit workouts, right? So if you're just saying, Hey, I belong to a gym, I'm, I'm training with 20 to 30 year olds, you know, how much should I be changing it? I don't, I don't think you should have to do less volume. I think it depends on how you define volume. So when you look at a, you know, CrossFit, you have an hour's worth of time in a CrossFit gym, as an example. And then in most cases, you probably have some auxiliary work, you know, secondary stuff you might do after 15 minutes. So let's call it an hour to hour and 15 worth of time. All you have to be able to do is figure out how much are you scaling? You're still going to be working for an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. You're not going to be doing, you know, the volume piece maybe is the weight, Right. The reps. And I would argue if you're scaling appropriately as an older or a scaled athlete, you may actually end up doing far more reps than those younger athletes. You're just not moving as much weight. So I think you really have to figure out what are your goals here when you, when you really think of, you know, kind of volume or how much should you be doing versus these, you know, kind of young people. I look at it when I go in with them is I'm going to do the same amount of work in time, but I'm not going to push as much weight as they are. So I'm going to do as many reps or I try to scale my workouts to do the same number of reps as them. 
So I'll give you an example. I did a workout a couple of days ago. It was a short one, um, but it was uh, nine, six, three wall balls, uh, burpees and power cleans. The RX was a 20 pound ball and 135 pounds on the barbell. So I did a 14 pound ball and a 115 pound barbell. And I went side by side with a 24 year old who's fit as hell. And I killed myself to keep up with them. It was 10 rounds, by the way. Okay. 10 rounds of this. And I killed myself to try to keep up with him. I'm like, all right, well, I'll see how long I can keep up with him. And I was rep for rep for three rounds. And I was probably three or four reps behind him after five. And he beat me by a full round. Mm -hmm. And he did it in 10, 20, and I did it in 11, 20. I think that was a pretty fair scale. And there's 25 years between us, Mm -hmm. you know, now are there, you know, people older than me or my same age, maybe that or less or more fit, then decide what, you know, pound wall ball you want to use. I was using a 14 pound ball, yeah, but it's yeah. a six pound difference in there, but I could have switched to a 10. I could have switched to a six. Like there's, you have a lot of options. You could have switched to a lacrosse ball, whatever you want to throw at the wall. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I think you just have to look at it and say, all right, I know I've got a sense of how long this workout should take. If I'm kind of the fittest time, which in this case, he had the best time on the board for the day. And I want to put in the same level of work. So I guess that's, yeah. you know, I think you're just looking for the intensity level that goes with it and kind of be within the same time domain. If that. Yeah. And sense. remember we've talked, I think a lot of people want, like they want a specific number or they want like, right. if X, then Y. And the issue is that there are so many factors again, like uh, previous athletic experience, training volume, um, age difference. But if we, it all comes back to, understanding how you can scale appropriately because a lot of people when they think scaling like they see a workout and it's like oh there's pull-ups in it when you think scaling a workout with pull-ups or actually no let's use your example scaling a workout with wall balls okay uh wall balls burpees and power cleans so when you hear scaling that people are like oh yeah you just use a lighter wall ball well there's actually a lot of different ways that we can scale that you could scale the wall ball by by like squatting less deep each wall ball and use the same weight. I wouldn't necessarily suggest that, but maybe there's a limitation on your range of motion. So remember, we can always scale reps. So the total amount of reps you do, we can scale ROM, aka range of motion. So you could, rather than doing a power clean from the floor, you could have done a hang power clean and that might've been easier for some people. Um, And then you can also scale that load, aka how much weight are we using? So as long as we understand the different dials and levers that you can use to scale appropriately. I think that's just a really important thing to remind yourself is that it's not always the right thing to do to change the the actual movement. Maybe keep the movement as prescribed, but just tone down the reps a little bit. Maybe squatting below parallel is that many times. I mean, holy crap, how many wall balls you end up doing in that workout? A lot. Um, Maybe squatting below parallel that many times, you know uh, that your your current abilities aren't necessarily there yet. Like you're not ready to squat below parallel that often. Then maybe half the wall balls or maybe uh, that bottom range of motion uh, in the power clean, like where you're bent all the way over, picking the barbell off from the ground is a little bit that's challenging for you. Then you could do those power cleans from uh, a stack of plates, or you could do hang power cleans or something like that, or do them with dumbbells. There's just so many different, uh, 
adjustments that we can make, you're still going to get the same stimulus, the same stimulus, which is why CrossFit is so incredible. Um, you can be, you, the, the 78 year olds can be working alongside the NFL athlete that's 19 years old or 21 years old or whatever, and still get the same stimulus out of the workout. If you or your coach knows how to scale and assess properly. So if you're doing it yourself, just always remind yourself, there are multiple ways to scale range of motion, the amount of reps or the load, the actual weight that's being used. Those are the three big ones. And the only other thing I would add to it is manage your own expectations, like figure out, like in the case of this particular workout, I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot for whatever the best time is and try to scale down so I can achieve the best time. That's not always the best case, depending on what you have going on with your body. Like part of what his, this question assumes is as you get older, things change with your body. And there's the very reality as, as an older athlete that you have days where your knees hurt and other days they don't ankle shoulders, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so sometimes it might just be managing expectations and going into a workout like the one I did today and saying, all right, instead of the run, I'm going to bike. Yep. You know, because I can't run and my knees and ankles hurt. And so I'm just going to, it's going to change the workout, which will change how long it takes. Yep. I just don't, I just think using the expectation of I have to do less work because I'm older gives you an excuse to do less work. Right. Yeah. Um, I think mod like understanding that yeah, being older isn't a get out of jail free card to avoid the workout entirely. Right. Uh, we have a meme video, I think at Wad Prepper. It's like, Hey coach, like, I got a thing going on with my knees. So instead of the burpees, I'm just going to sit on this box and then I'll just, <laughs> I'll do all the other things, but just not the burpees. I'm going like, to try that. We always have to remember that like, you know, again, assuming the workout is appropriately programmed uh, and this example, like, all right, the run, maybe that impact is a little bit too much for you. You have some pre-existing, maybe running injuries or you're just like, Hey, I already ran too much this week, whatever. Yeah. Substitute it with something that is of similar, like, we're substituting the movement. So I would say we're scaling the range of motion, but has a similar, similar stimulus. So the run in that instance isn't necessarily a leg strengthening exercise. It's more of just like probably just trying to spike our heart rates yeah. a little bit, trying to, we're trying to get our blood pumping. We can easily do that with something like burpees, something like uh, a stair climber. If you're just at a, right. at a, you know, a globo gym or obviously a rower, a ski or something like that. Last word on this, and then we'll move on because I got another interesting question from a, a listener here is that uh, this isn't one size fits all. So when I say you should do the same work, I'm, I'm not calling anybody lazy here. Like there are times when you're going to be injured or have something weird going on. Talk to your coach and they, they can help you manage these expectations. So it's certainly not, you know, we're not saying that, you know, there's one or two ways to do this, about a hundred different ways you could do this. Um, but, you know, I think if you always go into it thinking, you know, hey, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to put in the same amount of work as everybody else. See what happens, you know, and uh, usually yeah. works out for the best. So, and I, all right. I, I like the idea of just time domain comparisons as well. It's like, Hey, if, if, if your scale that you did uh, made it so that you finished 22 minutes ahead of everyone else in the class, that might've been a little bit too much of a, of a modification. Uh, and on the same token, if you are the, the, the quintessential person that's, finishing 38 minutes behind the rest of the class and the other class has already started. They pushed you over to the corner and you're just like, I got to get every rep done. Then that was an example of probably inappropriate scaling. Wait, it's funny you say that. I make a joke all the time because you know my gym's just full of young people and I'm the oldest guy there by a lot. And I constantly make a joke with these guys of like, hey, when you're done, run, get me a fit aid. 
you know, go get me something to drink. <laughs> you know, if it's in the morning, I'm like, go get me a latte. I'll be, you know, I'll be here when you're back. You know, I'll still be working. Out. <laughs> and, you know, they always laugh like, oh, old guy's funny. So um, <laughs> anyway. Um, he's office meds again. He's office meds again. <laughs> but the, you know, the the truth behind that is I am always thinking going in, all right, you know, this person should beat me by a lot if we were going head to head, same weight, same workout. So I am trying to keep my scores or my times relatively close to them. So they don't have time to go get me a fit aid. (laughs) Sure. And I use, I often use that as my metric of like, how did I do like, I'm judging myself against my scaling ability, not against that person I'm actually competing with, you know? Definitely. Um, All right. So here's a question. Let's see who sent this in. This was John Roberts, John with no H. John, you need to spell your name. DZI. Little suspect. Yeah, D-Z-I-O-N. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, he goes, I'm a 40-year-old. The story crossed at my late 30s. So I'm at the beginning of my journey. And I was wondering if others had issues with frustration slash anger mid and post wads. Oh, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Oh, my uh, God. You may have touched on it with the mental toughness part in episode three. But if you do more on it and assuming it's just not me, it isn't, John, by the way, it isn't. Uh, I'd be interested in your opinion. I follow my boxes program and do RX 99% of the time, and it doesn't always go well. I'm fearful of a decline in performance, and I like to race, sometimes beat those 20-year-olds by my side. But I'm beginning to think smart scaling is something to try, assuming I get this frustration, anger thing under control. Thoughts? Oh, man. What are are your thoughts on people that get just pissed off mid and post-wad? I know you've seen as a coach, I know you've seen it a bunch and I, I experienced it a bunch early on. So there's a lot to unpack here and I'm going to read into a couple things and this is not an attack at you incorrectly spelled John. Um, as, as this John says, yes. I think you, I think you spell it fine. D-Z-I-O-N. Yes. Um, so to me, it sounds like there's a, there's a bit of like ego involvement there. Uh, when you say you're angry and frustrated, you also threw in a bunch of things about like trying to beat the the younger kids and and RXing 99.9% of the time. Those two kind of like uh, additional bits of information potentially show that you you are not necessarily approaching each workout as I'm using this to develop me as a fitter and healthier human being but rather I'm using this workout as a way to flex on these younger whippersnappers and show them who's boss. And then the frustration potentially comes in when you don't have that flexibility in a different way. You know, like you can't flex on them. You can't show your dominance. And that's, that's a, that's ego. And that's something that I've, my God, dude, I've struggled coming from a high level competitive background. That's something that is a very hard pill to swallow not beating people when you're used to beating people and being okay with that. And the way that I've personally dealt with that is completely pulling the rug out from underneath myself, not putting my attachments on RXing workouts, beating other people, which I know those are two fun things that keep you coming back to the CrossFit gym and following your boxes programming. But if you eliminate that attachment of trying to beat these younger kids and put them in their place 
and make the workout more about developing you as a person and how can I get a little bit better in this instance? I can't control how everyone else does, but I can control my effort with myself. That's that's the anger and frustration that like maybe I'm okay with. Are you getting angry a little bit at yourself? Like, come on, you can be mentally stronger than that. Like, come on, Ben, like pick up the bar. Like that kind of frustration and anger, I'd say is maybe a healthy frustration and anger. But if you're getting angry at the fact that you're not beating the people that you wanted to beat, that's that, that's very much an ego thing. Um, so for me personally, my my ego book is uh, Ego as the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. I read that one, try to reread that one once per year. Just kind of helps put you in your place of like, who who are you serving? Are you feeding? Like, are you trying to to be the person that, I'm the kind of person that always beats other in the workout. And I'm the kind of person that RX every workout because if that's where your ego identifies, then that's where that frustration is coming from. And that's going to be a tough one to break down. But once you get rid of that and you're just like, Hey man, I'm just here to work out and improve myself. That is going to be a much better path for you. Um, so that would be, that's what I'm reading into in this particular situation. What do you think, John? I think they should, uh, if they want to flex on these 20 year olds, you should do like you did and just go buy a Tesla. That usually does it, you know, just roll into the gym in a hundred thousand dollar car. Then you don't even have to win the workout anymore. You're just like, all right, good workout guys. I'm going to go get my, te- your Tesla just pulls into the gym. It just reads your mind, you know, good, good luck getting paid hourly. <laughs> I'm going to go collect my salary. Uh, we had, we had a guy rolling into the gym. This guy goes with us and he's great. And he's master's athlete like me. And he pulls in, uh, yesterday and he's got a brand new Corvette and it is the nicest Corvette. The new one, the C like the mid engine one, the one that looks like a Ferrari. Oh yes. is so gorgeous is literally the prettiest car I've ever seen in person, you know? Yep. And, uh, and he's, he's older than me, I think, or at least my age. And I like, I see him pull up. And I stick my head out the back door and I'm like, dude, that car is so nice. I will suck your, you know, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm just shouting horrible things at him. You know, it was, oh, so You're nice. Your cat, he, now he knows what it feels like to be cat called. Yeah, it's exactly what he knows. You're so just spreading the, spreading the wealth, John. Good for I you. I think that's one thing you can do, you know, flex your wallet, you know, accidentally drop your bank statement on the floor. That helps. Uh, I, I look, I think, um, you have to manage your own expectations. I've made a joke for years that these protein companies should make one with an antidepressant because there's so many athletes that get this, like, you know, they go in with a mindset of what's going to happen in the workout. And when it doesn't happen, they're so depressed. And that's at Mm -hmm. any age. That's not, that's new CrossFitters too. It's, It's actually probably more common, I think with new CrossFitters than someone in this scenario that's been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to manage expectations of what you really want to get out of it. And to your point of ego, you know, are you serving yourself or you're just there to beat your friends? You know, you got to get past this. Like you got to quit looking at the clock, quit looking at the whiteboard mm-hmm. and realize that the five days a week, you're going to the gym, you're training. This is practice. It's like Allen Iverson. This is pra- we're talking about practice. Talking about practice. We're talking not a about game. practice. Not a game. Not a game. Practice. Practice. You are. You're practicing. That's all you're doing. You are not competing. That's what the open is for. You want to compete? Sign up for the open. You'll get three shots at it to make quarterfinals. You can mm-hmm. be depressed after the open, and we'll make that a separate conversation when that comes up in February or January or whenever it's going to be. But the, the rest of the year, we're talking about practice, and that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you should not be killing yourself 
five days a week to beat these 20 year olds. You should be, you should be trying to get better five days a week. And I, I think some things that, like some things I do to offset that is um, I measure everything, track everything, everything. Right. So you're competing against yourself, not. It's not even competing. Some, it's not even yeah. competing. It's just gathering data. So you can't even look at it and say, all right, I'm trying to beat my own scores. I'm just gathering data. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll talk about this in other episodes, but I think that's why wearables help. So you can really get a sense of, of how things look over time, whether it's sleep or diet or whatever it may be. And because there's so many factors that play into a workout more than just your general fitness, you could be overly tired that day and not perform your best. You could be under fueled and not perform your best the wind could be blowing the wrong direction and you don't perform your best. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes in. And so you should be tracking all those metrics to get a sense of how you do under certain conditions, how you do when certain uh, movements are paired with each other and you identify those weaknesses. And I think when you really start looking at it as data and analytics, as opposed to performance, it helps you get rid of some of those anger issues because now you're just analyzing. Yep. And, and again, you're training, you, and you're thinking I'm training and practicing. So I'm, while I'm scoring it and saving that data, I'm really not using the clock as my main guide for success. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can have a slower Fran time than I did two weeks ago, but have a better performance. Yeah. Maybe my range of motion was better. Maybe I used more weight. Like there's a lot of things that could go into that to make, you know, maybe I just, did a better job of breathing at the top when the barbells overhead, like, I don't sure. know, you, you pick, you know, but I yeah. just think there's so many things you could be measuring to help you get past that. And once you're past that and realize I'm no longer competing with them, it becomes a lot more fun. Mm. It really does. And I think uh, another little experiment that'd be cool for this John to run is what would it, what would it be like if you hit the workout not knowing what the score to beat was and not ever knowing what, how you did on the leaderboard. Like I know some gyms maybe are like, Oh, always log your workouts. But I know the gym I go to vantage um, I'd say, I mean, geez, maybe like 10% of the gym actually logs their score into Zen planner. Yep. Everyone else just like shows up, they hit it and they leave. And they're, and it's like, they don't care what, they don't care what their score was compared to everyone else in the gym. They just came in, they worked on themselves they listened to the coach and, you know, they had a good laugh, had a good sweat and, uh, and got their frustrations out and then they left. So I would say it could be a really valuable experiment to remove the, the metrics that you are getting angry at yourself about. And it sounds like the RX, like whether it's RX or not. And then also, are you beating the younger kids? It sounds like those two things are like weighing heavily on like you might have a really crappy workout, but if you are exited and beat the younger kids, are you happy about it? <laughs> if so, right. then there's something wrong there, right? Because you had a really crappy workout. Um, so remove those metrics that are that are causing you to judge yourself and end your performance and just like focus on like I know uh Don uh who runs um Driven Mind Training, formerly Mentality Wad, I know she has like a, a post-workout journal that she has a lot of her athletes do, where it's just like what are some metrics that we can judge ourselves by that are, that are actually valuable? It's like, did, like, did I um, put forth the full effort that I wanted to? Was I completely present through every rep? Like, 
did I give myself grace when I messed up? Did I take a chance in the middle of the workout? You know, it's like all of these things where it's like, if you can control what you can control and stop worrying about the RX, stop worrying about, did you beat the 27 year old who, you know, who is trying to qualify for some high level competition? Like stop worrying about all those things. So you can't control that. Focus on what you can control. Try to eliminate the ego one little step at a time. And my guess is, it's probably actually going to benefit you in the long run. Like you might see your open scores improve when you stop focusing on the outcome and you start focusing more on the process of each workout. And buy a Tesla. <laughs> and buy a Tesla. Buy uh, a super sick Corvette. <laughs> uh, I want to. I'd like a Tesla. I'd, I've been looking at these. I've been looking at Teslas. They'd be nice. Maybe I'll bring mine to the Rogue Invitational and you can <sighs> sport around in it. Are you driving to the Rogue Invitation? No, I'm not. I'm flying. That was oh. the lie. I, I got your hopes up. I'm sorry. Can you make it drive itself? Is it that smart? Just not yet, it. but it will no. be at one point. It will be. I'll just summon point. it. Oh, yeah. come to Austin, Texas. You'll just think it. You'll just think <laughs> it, and it'll show up like the Batmobile. It's gonna be great. Yeah. All right. Next question. This is from Mo uh, Delilah Rocks. Is her Instagram handle? And uh, she goes, "Hi, love the podcast. Again, great way to get your question read on here." You know what? Uh, Someone should one time intro with just like, hate the podcast. It sucks. Here's what you guys should talk about. And maybe yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll <laughs> do that too. Question for the coach. So I'm assuming this is not for me. We're just going to make that assumption. You're the coach. You're the coach. I'm the meme lord. All right. I'm a 6'1", 47-year-old woman struggling with getting any depth on squats and not able to add much weight for over a year and not getting many coaches to know what to do to help this femur challenge woman in sure. tips. This is a good question though, because I struggle with this. Like um Saxon's dad calls this long levers. That's what he always says. He's like, we'll leave sure. long levers, you know. And he's right, I have long legs, you know. Yep. And so it makes deadlifts hard, it makes squatting harder. Like it, you know, it messes up a lot of my range yeah. of motion. So definitely what, what do you tell people when they've got long legs? I think it's uh so the first thing I want to I want to say is like this is where it frustrates me when coaches or books say that you need to, you need to look a certain way when you squat, like, Oh, your feet should always be straight. And here's a picture of, you know, a small Asian woman uh, squatting with her feet straight. And it's like, okay, that's great for her. Her body um, is perfectly designed for that to be her perfect squat form. Other people are not built to squat. So if you grew up, um, in China, you would not be chosen to be on their Olympic weightlifting team, right? Like, you know, like you do not have the body dimensions for I'm it. I'm glad you clarified fine. that you were referencing the Olympic weightlifting team because the Chinese are universally known as having a great weightlifting. I was like, why is he talking about Asians? Like, how did we immediately get to Asian women? But so the, the reason I'm, the reason I'm talking about it is because a lot of people use, they, they like judge their form. They're the greatest. They're like, well, look, this greatest is, this is how the, the Chinese. Planet. Yeah. Right. Here's how the Chinese do it. This is how I should do it. And I'm like, do you have a perfectly symmetrical, like, is your femur to, you know, like, are all your body dimensions perfect? That's right. why they look like this, right? So the first thing that's, I had to like rant on that. Um, so just because your squat does not look like my squat, I'm five foot nine on a, on a decent day. And if I haven't done handstand pushups, you know, like I'm five foot nine and a half, maybe. And my body is built to have like a pretty good squat. Right. But that being said, like, John, you're significantly taller than me. 
your femurs are longer, your squat, your high bar back squat or your, your front squat is going to look a lot different than mine. And we can't necessarily expect to have the same exact mechanics and look the same. Okay. So don't compare apples to apples there. So that's point one, very important to remember. Now, point two for everyone, this is very general. Everyone, if they want to improve their squat, almost every single person could benefit from loaded or even unloaded squat holds. So the more time you spend in the position that you're trying to improve, incrementally, you will get more comfortable there and, and better at it. So for myself, even though my mechanics, like my five, nine and a half frame and my femur length, yada, 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 all of those things are built to actually squat pretty well. I still had a really, really ugly squat when I started CrossFit because I had never done it. None of the sports that I ever played, football, basketball, we never squatted once. It was always power cleans. It was, we, never, we never went below parallel. So what I did and what I had to do for a very, very long time was what's just called squat therapy. You know, Literally, all it is is I was holding the dead bottom of an air squat as low as I could go without experiencing pain for as long as I could go without experiencing pain or numbness. And at, at first, that was like less than a minute. I couldn't hold the bottom of a squat without my lower back acting up or without my knees feeling terrible. So I'd go less than a minute. I'd stop, shake it out, keep watching whatever TV show I was watching at the time in college. And then what happened is like every time I would sit down to watch, I think it was the office with, with one of my roommates, he'd be laying on the couch, I'd be holding a squat. And I would just like, I'd start a timer. I'd see how long I could go before that pain or numbness would occur. And then I'd stop. And what happened was I, I literally went from, I remember like the first day, it was like less than 30 seconds. I couldn't hold the squat for less than 30 seconds or for more than 30 seconds because the front of my shins were burning so much. And then eventually by the end of that year, the end of that semester, I was holding for 10 minutes. I could hold the bottom for 10 minutes at a time and feel totally fine with it. And coincidentally, my squat numbers improved front squat clean snatch, all those numbers improved drastically just because I spent time outside of class spending more time in a squat. So that is my, that's my rant. Number one, your squat doesn't have to look like everyone else's. You can have your feet turned out slightly or, or a lot for some people. You can lean your torso forward. You don't have to have a perfectly vertical torso, but if you would like to improve on both of those things, point number two, spend more time holding the bottom of a squat. You can do it just an air squat, or if you want, what I started to do was I added a barbell to my back, or I added a, if you want to make it even harder, hold a goblet, hold a, uh, a kettlebell in the front of your body. And then that's going to make it even harder, but start holding these positions for extended period of times, a couple times per week. And then naturally your body's going to loosen up and you're going to feel a lot better and stronger. You're such a CrossFitter, Ben. At the beginning of that rant, you said you were five nine. Halfway through, you were five nine and a half. I'm just going. I'm five to nine and a half, John. I, okay. I didn't want to. Hey, I, okay. I want to assure myself. You say so. so five nine and a half. Well, look. The first thing Delilah Rock should do at six one is she should walk around the gym just patting the men on top of the head. Go, nice lift, buddy. Every time somebody says good wide, she just pat them on top of the head. That would make me feel better. Uh, I'm six feet, so I have the same problem in a CrossFit gym. You know, I'm far too tall for the sport. And to your point, um, I like to do pause squats. That really helps. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I do often, particularly as I've gotten older, I'll do this is I'll just go to the rig and I'll hold the rig and hold a squat. So you're taking yeah. some of the pressure off and then you can even rotate around a little, you know what I mean? Yep. Like you can, yeah, you're moving for sure. Yeah, you can move side to side, back and forth. 
it, you get a lot of flexion in your ankles and your knees, like you can, without putting too much pressure on them and, or fear of, you know, tearing or ripping something at this age. And that always helps for me. And I think, you know, I'd learned from, uh, I think the barbell shrugged guys, maybe, uh, on one of their podcasts of literally like in my warm up, I'll put plates on the barbell and, you know, the weights relative to whatever you're comfortable with. For me, it's like 135 and I'll just hold a squat. Yeah. Just put a back squat and just hold it for as long as I can. So kind of what you're talking about, but I'm trying to get in that position we're going to be in for the lift. And it just, it helps me, you know, feel where my knees should be. It's a light enough weight. And I'm not worried about hurting myself so I can work on getting my knees pushed out and like kind of feeling where they are, you know, over my feet or, you know, behind wherever they need to be, you know, and to your point yep. of not all, um, squats look the same. Mine does look different than others because of the way my legs are built. You know, right. I've been, I've been yelled at for co- at coaches for years about your feet are in the wrong place. Your feet are in the wrong place until I finally found coaches that I have now that realize, do you feel comfortable? Are you hurt? Do you yeah. have pain? Are you below parallel or like, does, how does it look? You're good. You yep. know, like, and I think that's what you're looking for. It isn't so much saying, you know, do you have this perfect to your point? Do you look like a Asian Olympic team? You know, the Chinese Olympic team that's world class. No, you should feel comfortable and you're not getting injured. Absolutely. You know? That's it. You know, absolutely. Yep. Very. It's, it's so funny. Again, this is yet another topic where we didn't talk about it preemptively leading into the show. And the prescription that we're giving is is very similar it's like yeah you're you're spending time you're doing exactly you're you're loading you're even unloading by you know doing that squat and holding on to the post but just like getting into the position that you want to be in if the only time that you spend time in the bottom of your squat is when you're feeling bad about not being able to squat well in the middle of class then the best way to again practice is spend a little bit of time outside the class you don't need to foam roll a specific part you don't need to do anything crazy just do more of that specific movement like holding an air squat or like holding a very light weight at the bottom of the squat just relax there see if you can let your see if your body will even let you relax and you'll be amazed at at how how much more comfortable you get at the bottom of those squats and then naturally your form's going to start improving when you're more comfortable there you won't be as tense maybe you'll be able to have that torso a little bit more upright uh, maybe your an- ankles are going to loosen up a little bit and you're, and you're going to be able to actually get those knees a little bit out in front of your toes. Maybe you'll be able to drive your knees out a little bit more. Like all these things will start to happen when you spend more time there. Yeah. This is one of those things that like we were talking about earlier where you can really get uh, ego or jealousy or whatever. If you start uh, managing your movements or judging your movements against others, you really need to manage your own expectations. Like we were warming up tonight and we were doing lunges and I'm in the class with uh, three or four women and two of them are like five foot four and clearly do yoga all day, every day, because when we're in a lunge, they're like literally half an inch above the ground, you know? Yeah. And like, I've got this jealousy in my mind, go, Oh God, I wish I had that, that kind of, you know, uh, ability to flex in my knees and ankles. And I said to the coach, I'm like, Hey, if you turn the music down, these young ladies could listen to my knees rip. It'd be really fun for them. <laughs> you know, snap, and- crackle, pop. Yeah, you know, they've probably never actually heard tendons tear away from the bone and muscle, you know. Um, He's being sarcastic, everyone. (laughs) Well, look, I've been around long enough, though, to manage my own expectations and knowing I don't need to look like them. I know my legs are longer. I know what my 
flexibility is and like, and I'm trying to improve it like everyone else, but mm-hmm. I'm not a week away from where they are. And my yep. body type is different. I, I will likely never be where they are. Even if I worked on it every day, all day, yep. you know, it'd be really difficult to get there. You know? Absolutely. So just, you know, manage those expectations and at six, one, you're too tall. So maybe take up orange theory. I don't know. <laughs> uh, kidding. Actually just cherry pick. I yeah. was, here's the advice. Cherry pick all the workouts. Yeah, show up for rowing. Only show up rowing wall balls. Yep. Maybe some deadlifts. Crush the class and go home. That's great. That's what you should do. All right. Next next and last question. So this one comes from uh, Alex Ibertowski. God, I hope I got that right. Hey, you're Polish. Teach me how to pronounce my name. (laughs) Well, he doesn't have any odd Z's in the front. So I'm going to There's an SKI at the end. He's Polish. Yeah, but I'm guessing I pronounced it right. So again, enjoy the show. Nice job. Nice job, buddy, with the suck up. Uh, Here's the topic I'd be interested in hearing about and that I'm currently struggling with. Strategies, tactics, and tips for minimizing hand tears and how to treat them once they happen. Oh, I'm an expert in hand tears. Both in in tearing them and treating them. (laughs) Well, how about you go first? Give me, give me some. Oh, well, I mean, look, the first, the first trick is minimizing. That's like, you you, yes. know, you want to be your own best friend here and make step sure that, one, do not tear. Yeah. Like if you want to fix hand tears, don't tear, you know? And so, you know, there's a number of ways. The easiest way is to scale and to, you know, if you know your hands are in a bad position, maybe do something different than whatever the workout calls for tonight. We had toes to bar and I was bitching going in because we did toes to bar on Saturday. And so this one had strict toes to bar in the workout, which isn't bad for hand tears. But then after the workout, we had a five minute break after that 20 minute AMRAP. And then we had to do one minute uh, or you had to do two rounds of max toes to bar. Just go, you know, unbroken with one minute in between. So I knew I was Mm -hmm. basically three minutes worth of work, one minute rest in between and, you know, lots of toes to bar. I got 33 for the record. Um, Everyone write that down. Don't ever forget that that number. Everybody write that down. There's going to be a test at the end. Um, but the point, but I knew it was going to be a lot where the hands are, you know, moving over the bar. So a um, couple of things that I do, I keep, you know, I keep, um, I forget what the, somebody sent me a, a tool for this and there's a ton out there. So we don't need to name drop, but you know, the callus tools, we shave them down. Like I keep yep. the calluses shaved down pretty well. Is it a razor tool or is it a, a sandpaper no, tool? Like sand, it's like sandpaper. Okay. You know, uh, yeah. I know they make razor tools and there are several out there that are good, but I just use like a sandpaper thing in the shower. That helps. Mm-hmm. I don't do that a ton. I do it just enough to file them down so they feel soft. I don't wear grips for the record, although you could mm-hmm. wear grips if you yeah. want to uh, keep it from happening. A couple of things that I do that prevent tears. The first one, I always wrap my thumb around the bar these days yeah. because it, it keeps, um, I know we're not, you know, this is video for most, but, and this looks kind of vulgar, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to wrap my hand around my hand. How's that sound? Uh, so the thumb wrapped around, though, keeps the palm from um, rubbing against the bar too much, which is where yep. my, my rips happen, right under the bottoms of my fingers in the middle of my palm. Yeah, basically, you, you want the bar on on your calluses and finger pads rather than a lot of people choke yes. up too much, and the bar is on their palm, and our palm receives almost no... Like we right. don't use our palms to grip things. So when all of a sudden you start doing it in CrossFit, that, that yep. that's when you, you rip like crazy. Yeah. And so, so basically what I'm doing is I'm using my wrist for torque. Yep. Does that make sense? So as I'm doing toes to bar or pull-ups, 
all the work is on the wrist and my hand isn't sliding around the bar as much. So I'm not ripping as much as I was in the past. So that for okay. me, that's the big one. The only other thing I do is I actually make my own grips when I use them. I don't like leather grips that much. I have a pair of the Alex Smith RX smart gear, you know, wraps. Do you make tape me. grips? Is that what you make? I do old school. Nice dude. Old school. Yeah. One well, of the first wad prep videos I ever made, by the way, if you YouTube it, if you just like, uh, Grips for CrossFit wad prep. There's like a 30 second video where I, I filmed how to make the, the old school tape grips. Dude, this is how old school I am. So 10 years ago, there, no one made grips, no one. And I was like, you know, I, the entrepreneur in me is like, if I could figure out how to make these and produce them, I'd sell them, you know? And uh, so I started Googling, well, you know, I knew gymnasts were doing this all day. I'm like, what are gymnasts do? So I, you know, I'm, Googling it and trying to figure it out. And I, I learned, like, I just went online and learned how they made their own grips. And then I had a blog at the time and I blogged about it. It was one of my highest, you know, hit blogs because people awesome. had all the same problems, you know? Yep. And if you can make your own grips and, you know, at some point, maybe I should repost it so people can see it. It's super cheap, easy, easy. and you don't tear, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think they're better than those leather grips because they actually hold chalk. They stick when you grab onto the bar, they're you know? Crazy sticky yeah oh they're perfect yeah. uh the real problem is though you're still going to tear from time to time and then what do you do um mm-hmm. i here's what i do so i have two or three methods that i use typically speaking um i try to get you know wash it first and foremost yeah like there's nothing worse than a staph infection get your hands clean MRSA is not advised yes uh so you know i'm not a doctor but go get your hands cleaned and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt bad, but you got to wash them before you leave the gym, wash them when you get home. And then I cut the skin off personally. If it's exposed. Yeah. 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 I always cut it off. And you I cut do, it off if it's just a blood blister um, and hasn't popped yet. Depends on how big it is. Okay. Also, that's what she said. Um, I don't know. No, I don't know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I usually, um, I usually don't. Um, but when they tear, I cut them off. So when they're actually torn, I cut them off Yep. and then I'll either use vitamin E oil. I like that a lot and Neosporin and I'll pack it good with Neosporin. And I do that. I pack it with Neosporin a couple of days in a row, mm-hmm. P- particularly before I go to bed, what I'm trying to keep from happening. So it isn't that the Neosporin is like this magic thing. What you're trying to keep from happening is your hands dry out and then it cracks yeah. Because that is the worst. The worst. A double tear. The yeah, tear. Yeah. Raw skin, heals, not hydrated, cracks again. Oh. Takes Ugh. forever to heal. So for me, it's like, you know, use the Neosporin for a couple of days, pack it good. And then it usually heals, you know, close enough within those couple of days. If it's okay. deep enough, I'll pack the Neosporin and use vitamin E oil for three or four days. And that's usually good enough to get it done. The kind of the last resort for me, if it's really bad or in an awkward place, is I'll go buy those blister band-aids. Yep. You know what I'm talking just about? Cover they, it. Yeah, yeah they like waterproof bu- ones. Yep. Yeah, they like bubble up, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, I'll use those. And then probably the last thing I would say is that uh, don't get in this mindset that you got to be the toughest SOB on the planet. Like if the next day, if your hands are ripped and the next day the workout has bear cross, skip the damn bear cross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously. It, it's it's actually a huge pet peeve of mine when people wear hand tears as like this badge of honor in CrossFit. Like, yeah, it was cute like 10 years ago, 
Uh, and I probably did like the, the shin blood and the right. hand blood as like, Oh, I'm a crossfitter, but actually you're hurting your fitness, especially with the hand tears. Think about how much stuff we do with our hands. If you rip your hands on a consistent basis, that means you either need to skip the gym, uh, which is advised to help you heal and, or you're obviously performing at a lower intensity because you need to scale down because your hands are gushing blood everywhere. Yep. And it's just frankly disgusting. Like I don't, I don't know about you, John, but I'm not a huge fan of sharing bloody bars with other people. Well, look, here's, I think the problem most people have, and here's something I did the other day. So we had a workout, I had pull-ups in it. And um, I forget what the rep scheme was, but it was a lot of pull-ups and I got kind of close to the end of the workout. And if you ever have that moment where you feel your hand about to tear, it like kind of pops, but it doesn't tear. But you know, if you do yep, more it, reps, it's like that it, it separates, but it hasn't yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to make a choice. I'm like, all right, well, I can keep going, finish the workout and tear, or I can call it. And I called it. Now I kept working out. I just didn't do pull-ups anymore. Right. And, you know, and. So the workout, I didn't get to finish the workout the way I wanted to finish it. But to your mm -hmm. point, like what I didn't want to do was affect my next five workouts. No, you didn't let your ego take over and be like, I got to finish it. I got to beat other people. And then boom, rip, tear. Yeah. Now you can't work out for the next three days. Yeah. This again, we're talking about practice. Yep. Just talking about practice. Everybody needs to go watch that video. Alan Iverson is the greatest. Yeah, Alan Iverson practice. Yeah, it's true though. Like we're just talking about practice. We're not talking about a, if you're in a competition and you're going to rip, like I remember seeing Haley Adams hands rip during at Atlanta or whatever it was called yeah. in the games. And I felt so bad for her, you know, but she's yeah. in a comp, like she has to keep going. Like she can't right. stop. She's trying to win. But yeah. when you're in a day-to-day -day training, what are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Like make either make grips or wear grips or do fewer reps or find a better way to keep them from ripping. Or do some of these tips beforehand and save yourself the trouble, but don't rip your hands in three or four places and then take a bunch of photos after and post it on Instagram to show everybody how tough you are. It's <laughs> not cool anymore. Yeah. We, yeah. We used to do that all the time. I great. same, 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 same. So the reason I wanted you to go first is because I, mine's going to be a bit of a cop out. We, I just checked 13 hours ago, I released a 17 minute video with in depth instructions on this exact topic so oh, how'd i do that how'd i do yeah you you did really well so we actually have two videos i have an older video called hand care for crossfit that i shot in japan a long time ago and it's one of the most it's actually i think the most popular hand care for crossfit video on youtube and then we just released a follow-up a couple of years later aka today um on the same topic and i actually talk about a couple of grips that i'm actually a big fan of now back then i was like i don't use any grips and I think I might've even talked about taping your hands and stuff like that. Um, and then this time I'm like, Hey, like I actually did find a couple grips that I really like and use, uh, for specific types of bar work that can be really beneficial for people. Um, and yeah, the, ultimately it comes down to a couple steps. Number one, do not tear. And there's, there's whether it's shaving your calluses or using a little sandbar to, um, or, or even just straight up sandpaper to sand down your calluses so that they're soft and supple. That's like the big thing is don't tear. And it could also just be wearing grips. Um, if there's specific movements that like toes of bar and pull-ups, I got a pair of grips that I use now that I never used to wear. And I, it's frankly cheating. It makes it way easier. It's so easy. Um, grips are, grips are really easy these days sometimes. And then, uh, if, if you do tear, 
Um, the inevitable pain that ensues when you're showering, washing your hands, scratching your head, things of that nature, very, very painful. And there's a couple of tips in there. Like, you know, you can cover it in Vaseline. Like basically you put Vaseline in the tear and then wear a, a rubber latex, like my barbecue smoking gloves that I wear. <laughs> right. I will literally, th- I tour once this year. It's the first time in probably like four or five years that I've torn um, on a barbell workout actually. And I just put Vaseline or Neosporin all over it and then put my barbecue glove on. And then I was like, Oh, I can shower. This is great. So that, that's a tip that you can use. Um, because yeah, every, if, if you haven't experienced the pain of, of showering or washing your hands after a hand tear, uh, it's, I feel like it's something that everyone should experience once and then never do it again. But ultimately John nailed, hit the nail on the head. I have a couple other little tips, but go watch my two YouTube videos. Just type in wad prep hand care in YouTube and you'll find both of them. There's a new one and an old one. They're both really valuable and they'll help. I feel like there's not a topic I'm going to bring up that you don't already have a wide prep video for. We got a lot of videos, man. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, I, I try to make them to answer the questions that are perennial questions so that I can answer them once with all the information that I currently have to the best of my ability. And then like I did with this hand care one, I said, I never use grips. Well, now I actually do. And I kind of like a couple of them. Um, so I felt like I needed to make a new video. I'm going I'm to be like, hey, Ben, I bought a new guitar today. And you're like, John, I just made a video for Wad Prep about, <laughs> about the pentatonic minor and how it sounds best on a Gibson Les Paul. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, you know it. Actually, if it's about pickleball or elk hunting, maybe, you know, who knows? Like, there's my side gigs I'm working on, you know. Uh, I know. You've always got irons in the fire on something. Yeah, right. All right. Um, well, yeah, that's it. Oh, and another thing when you do wear up your hands, there is a. Uh, there's like a cool, like there's a couple of super glues out on the market. I think E26 has like a skin repair one where it's literally like, it's a non burning super glue that you can just like straight up seal the wound. Um, and kind of like, if you have like those little like flanges, there's like little bits of skin that like won't, you can't tear them off because they're live skin. You can't cut them off. You kind of just super glue over it. Um, with like medical grade super glue, it works really well. But anyway. Oh, dude, when we first started CrossFit again, kind of OG gorilla glue. No, it was, it was uh liquid bandage. Oh God. No, there is no pain, (laughs) no pain. I don't care. It's like like, stepping on a Lego, man. You want to die. Ladies listening to this. I know a lot of you have had babies. Doesn't hurt as much as liquid bandage. I'm sorry. (laughs) It doesn't. I'm I'm stepping out of that combo. I am not starting that war. I'm going to talk to Nikki on her, on the podcast with her tomorrow about this. I'm like, Hey, listen, I know you just had a baby liquid bandage is far worse. It hurts so bad, dude. It's like, I don't know what troll put that on the crossfit.com. Like, Oh, if you rip your hand, just use liquid bandage. I remember doing that. And I screamed. I mean, uh, I literally was like, ah! it's so bad. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like double alcohol. I don't know what makes it worse than just straight alcohol, but it is. Like, so I'd rather bad. just take a knife and jam it into my, <laughs> into well, my what open it feels wound. like. It's like it burns and feels like someone's stabbing you. And there's so many wrong things with it anyway. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for tonight. I got a whole bunch more. Uh, I guess I would right. ask people listening, keep sending us questions. You guys have so many good ones. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, kind of keep buttering up John by saying, love the podcast. <laughs> I love the way your hair's looking these days. Yes, exactly. We're, we'll talk about your hair on the next one. I saw pictures of you after the hunt. Oh yeah. I was, I was shaggy. You were looking a little shaggy. We'll talk about that on a, on a later episode, but can't uh, wait. But for tonight, I think we've covered all the, all the CrossFit problems we could. So it's been fun. Uh, we'll catch up again soon. For everyone listening, hey, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you guys uh, being here with us each and every week. 
and we will chat with you guys soon. Hey, share the podcast with someone. If you have a beginner who's who's getting into this, share it with them and hopefully we can help them out. Damn, you're a smart guy, Ben. That's viral. It's viral marketing. Ben probably has a WordPress video on how you can share this. So just go to WordPress <laughs> and pick it up. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.